Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Hello there, friend. Angie Austin here with the good news, along with one of my favorites. I call him my mentor. And Jim, I I know you won't believe this, or maybe you will, actually, because you have mentors, too. Uh, I really think I've stayed in radio because of you, author, speaker, movie maker, Jim Stovall, because you've encouraged me so much over the years and really been so generous with your time to join me weekly as I've, you know, traveled these radio waters. Well, I got to tell you, sincerely, with all of the 50 books uh, I've done and eight of them turned into movies. I do a lot, a lot of radio shows over the years. And you are one of uh, just a handful of people I would even consider doing a weekly thing with. And uh, so when I first connected with you, I knew you were a rock star. It's just a matter of uh, right place, right time. And here we are all these years later. You can't get rid of me. I know. And I love it. I love it. I, and I, and I, I, I vow that one day for sure, I, I really want to, uh, you know, visit you and, uh, and see all that you do and, and bring my son Riley, who really admires you with me. Don't worry. We won't. Uh, Mike, Mike, um, uh, Opelka has always made it uh, clear that I could never stay in his home. So we, we'd get a hotel. So we would never put, but I'd love to just kind of see your operation the way it works. Cause because you, you're blind, you're surrounded with all of these amazing people that help you do so many different things things. And not until re- recently did I realize that each one kind of has their own specialty to help you with. So really, it's like having a team of 10 Jim Stovalls. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, in a way, I mean, and, and you do the same thing and everybody listeners. I mean, if you're going to go to a surprise birthday party, there's somebody you'd rather go with. If you're going to have fine dining or a wine tasting or go to an art show, there's somebody else you might want to go with. And if you're going to spend a week at the beach like you just did, um, there's other people you might want to go with. So it, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it all depends on. So I have the extreme advantage of being able to change the channel and do what I want to do. All right. Your um, your column this week is inspiration and implementation. And I just want to tell you one thing from, you know, because you could see before until you were in your 20s. I want to describe something to you that was one of my top 10 most inspirational or, I don't know, incredible moments that's ever happened to me. And because I normally take video and pictures of things, I was very excited about this. We were out on the boat. I really love Dolphin. In fact, my daughter's 13th birthday, uh, Faith wanted to go paint she painted with a dolphin and then we swam with the dolphin and like played games and stuff and it, it was incredible right but this particular experience was even better we were in some crummy old fishing boat and I thought that we were getting like last time we rented a boat that like I felt safe in this felt like was put together with um duct tape and old chewing gum you know it's like yeah <laughs> we didn't what horsepower the motor was because it was spray painted black but you know when you rent you don't know what you're gonna get so we get we get in this boat with my 80 year old mother and my kids and my husband and i'm like hey the gas gauge doesn't work the bilge pump has to stay on because it's you know got water coming in and it's just ridiculous 
So we're out and we're pulling the kids with an inner tube behind the boat. And we look back and Dolphin, about 10, are starting to follow us. Well, because of the weird way this boat sits, the wake is literally off the back corners of the boat, not in the middle of the boat. It like comes off the back corners. All of a sudden, my husband sees a a dolphin jump 10 feet over the air over my daughter's tow line because Hope is behind us in a tube. And she goes, whoa, you know, and then... um, of the 10, about four and four get um, on the corners of our boat. Literally, my mother, my 80-year-old mother who's in the back corner, could have reached out and touched one. And they were jumping like three and four at a time on the back corner. And I couldn't stop saying like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, because she could have touched them because the wake was so close to our boat. And then the piece de resistance. One of the um, dolphins started racing my daughter in the tube and right next to her tube that we're pulling her on behind the boat. It is racing her and jumping in the air like every maybe 10 seconds. I have never in my life. So my husband says, did you get all that? I said, yeah, I got it all because I have my camera out. Then when I go back and look at the videos of all the dolphin that jumped that day, and we never had an experience like that again. I mean, that's the first experience I've ever had like that in my life. I got a still photo of nothing because I had pushed the photo button instead of video. But here's what here's what I learned from that because I was really sad, Jim. I was really bummed out. I learned from that. I'll never I sealed that vision in my mind, which which I'll bet you did when you were told you were going to lose your sight. You're like, I'm going to remember my grandma's face. I'm going to remember her flowers. I'm going to remember my mom like uh, and your wife, Crystal. Like you probably have like those. They're so seared in your brain. Well, that's what I did. I went, okay. I just remember that dolphin's eye, the biggest of the three that was jumping so close, and my mom's face, you know, being 80, and she's never seen that. And so that was my inspiration for the trip that I just, I, since I didn't have the photo or the video, I just like seared it into my brain. No, and that's, that's the, in many cases, that's the way to do it. I, you know, so many people go on a vacation or do some, and they spend all their time in movie production mode <laughs> and they, and they really don't enjoy the experience because they're always taking pictures. And, um, you know, and, uh, I, you know, I will never forget, you know, I was in New York with one of my people and we were going to go this way. She said, no, there's a guy taking a picture. We don't want to step into his deal. We're going to go the other way. And no, there's a guy taking a picture. We'll take, I mean, these guys are taking pictures of each other, taking a picture of each other. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, what are you people doing? I mean, um, uh, but, uh, you know, enjoy the time and, and, and build the memory. I mean, that's the one thing they can't take away. You oh, can buy pictures. It was so wonderful. Okay, so that was my inspiration. Your column is Inspiration and Implementation. And I have to say, it's one of my favorite columns you've written. So give us the lowdown. Well, you know, I've written this column for newspapers and magazines and online publications literally around the world. And, um, you, you know, I've written them for over 20 years, and each one of them, over a thousand columns, ends with the same phrase, today's the day. Because it doesn't matter how inspired we are. It doesn't matter what we dream to do or want to do or whatever. What matters is what we implement, what we really do. And, and you know, and people often have just super inspiration. You know, I'm going to be this, do this, have this, create this. I'm going to change the world. But they never, ever get started. And it doesn't matter what we meant to do or wanted to do or dreamed about doing. What matters is what we did. And, 
you know, but we all wait because we believe, well, there'll be a perfect time. Now's not a good time to start, and we're waiting for all the lights to be green before we leave the house, and I don't have the right education, I don't have the right tools. Well, I can assure you, if you have a dream inside of you that was put there, you're supposed to do something about it today. Maybe just learn more, maybe find a mentor, maybe take a class, maybe get started. I don't know what, but then as you progress, the better tools will be there, and all those things will happen. And I remember the the story about the, the, the great artist, maybe the greatest ever, Michelangelo. Yes. And he was working on his masterpiece, the sculpture of David. And he was doing that in a studio there in Italy. And there were other artists worked there, too. And when he came in one day to start working on his sculpture of David, all these other guys were just sitting around. And he said, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we're waiting for inspiration. And Michelangelo replied, well, inspiration will find me already at work. And that's, you know, that's what it is. I mean, at some point you just get up and get started because, uh, you know, we all love the inspiration, the excitement, but very rarely do we want to get started and actually go to work. And that's what makes our dream and our inspiration come to life. I love that inspiration will find me already at work. And I think we all have a friend like, you know, you talked about the column that you've known for 40 years with the great ideas. Oh, I've got this and this invention and this and not carrying them out. And then a friend who just kind of had one plan for his life, which sounds boring, but how mm-hmm. it worked out so much better for the one plan person, because he actually was uh, when inspiration came, he was already at work. Right. And uh, interesting, my two friends I've known since college, the one guy had an idea a minute. I mean, he was going to do everything, and, and he, he uh, for over the last 40 years, he's done nothing. The other guy only had one dream he ever wanted, and he made it come true, and uh, he is a quite prominent person. If, uh, if I mentioned his name, many of your people would know him, um, and he is really a world leader. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of the difference in, uh, in, in those things. I mean, we, you know, we either... Um, You know, some people talk, some people dream, and other people just go right ahead and do it. And, you know, when you talk, you don't mention his name, but what was that uh, plan or what was his dream? He wanted to be in public policy and uh, and uh, be involved with that. And uh, you would uh, find him in Washington, D.C. today doing his thing and uh, living out his dream and making a difference. I love it. You say if you have, because you always say today's the day. You always say that. So uh, you say if you have a thought, an idea, a calling, or a plan in your life, it means you should do something today to make it a reality. And as a Christian, and I know you are as well, um, I find many people waiting for their calling. Just kind of waiting for, you know, to see what my calling is, trying to figure it out. But God doesn't knock on the door or text you and your lazy boy to give you your calling, you know? No, I always remember Jonah and the whale. I mean, he got the message, and then he got a little more of a message, then he got a nudge, and uh, next thing you know, a whale swallows him. You know, you kind of want to get going before that happens. <laughs> All right, so, yes, you do want to get uh, going before that happens. So in terms of what you want people to take out of the column, give us your, you know, one-minute summary of what we need to do today, if today truly is the day, because you always say that in your column. I love that. Um, the biggest dream that 
goal, the calling, the biggest inspiration you ever ever had in your life is alive and well. And all you got to do to activate it is go into that little voting booth in the middle of your soul that only you and God know about and reach up there and vote for yourself. And when you do, you'll figure out he voted for you a long time ago and then go do something today. And, you know, I, I love it. My dad used to say, even though he, we were estranged for 30 some odd years, he's brilliant. He was a professor. And, you know, we we we, we you know got back together about eight years before he passed away. And we had a really great time during those eight years. And he would say that, you know, you're the director of your life. So you choose the people that you want, the main roles in your life, et cetera. But there's some people in your life that kind of you're stuck with them. Like it's, you know, it's like your friend's kid wants to be in the play and you're like, ah. You know, I got to put them in there somewhere. So I kind of envision it that they're like in the back row of my theater. Mm -hmm. Like I can't really see them, but they're there. But they don't. It might even be like a relative that you really kind of, you know, out of respect, you're honoring your mother and your father. Like my mom can be a real pain in the rear, you know. But with that said, um, we take care of her. I, I lead by example with my children. But the way that she is pessimistic, I've really put that particular quality of hers in the back very maybe she's even way up in the loft in the back so i can't even see her you know what i mean like yeah. it's up to you how much um space you give these people in your head and and but there are people that maybe don't fit with your way of life and they say that when people are pessimistic or depressed that it can have an adverse effect on you if you're close to them and what do you say about the five people show me the five people that are we we become like the five people we hang around with the most yeah and uh, you you'll take on their attitudes their beliefs their actions your income will be the average of the five people you hang around with the most and, you know in that that doesn't mean we don't spend time with our, uh, you know, the friends we grew up with or our relatives, but you gotta, you gotta really focus it. When I'm in my creative mode uh, today, just before you and I got on this interview, I was uh, uh, working on a screenplay for uh, an adaptation of one of my books. There are certain friends I won't talk to today because uh, I'm trying to stay positive and focused and do what I'm doing. And I know if I take their call, it'll be the latest, uh, like, a, like a sad country and western song. Everything went wrong, you know, and <laughs> tell you tell you all about it. And, you know, there's fine. I mean, there's days I'm up for that, but not today. <laughs> could you just give them my mom's number? Because she would I really. Could, and they could just uh, have tears in their beers or something there, I guess. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. All right, Jim, give us your website. Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. And if you go there, there will be no tears in Jim's beer. Thank you so much, Jim. I adore you. I appreciate you so much. You're the best. Today's the day, Jim. Westminster is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT Denver. You just bought a new car, and it's everything you dreamed of and more. But you have so many memories with your old car, it almost feels like a family member. So you want to make sure it goes to a good home. You'll feel comfortable knowing when you donate your car to ARC Thrift Stores, you're giving to a good cause. You can donate anything with wheels, even motorcycles. And when you donate your vehicle, you get a tax deduction. It feels so good to give back. As you say farewell to your old vehicle, rest assured that your donation is making a difference by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Donate your car to ARC Thrift Stores today. Visit arcthrift.com for more information about the car donation program. That's arcthrift.com, where your good memories of that old car can become new ones for people with disabilities. 
Hi, friend. Welcome back to the good news. Angie Austin here. We're going to be speaking with Scott Shea. He is the author of Conspiracy U, a case study. And the book Conspiracy U exposes how conspiracy theories drawn from far right and far left ideologies masquerade as scholarship at many universities, endangering our norms and conceptions of morality and truth. Welcome to the program, Scott Shea. Angie, it's a privilege. You went to Northwestern. Uh, let's talk about what's going on in our world uh, right now. Uh, very concerning. I, I just read an article today about a lawyer who did some kind of a, a talk at a university, and she says, like, the law is in danger because she was, you know, arguing with a woke group of students. And I didn't get the full gist of it, but it just made me feel that weird tinge that universities aren't what they used to be. There's no question universities aren't what they used to be. They, And this is what I show in the book. I mean, really, they become places of indoctrination as opposed to learning how to critically think. And the key, the key point where they transformed is when universities stopped thinking that they were places for intellectual uh, advancement, intellectual engagement, and became social justice movements. I mean, that is essentially their motto. Northwestern's motto, where I straight from Paul's epistle to the Philippians. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, if there be uh, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians 4.8. That's the motto of Northwestern. But instead it's become a place where, um, uh, unfortunately, there are scholars writing conspiracy theories as long as they meet the narrative, the ideological narrative that's being taught. And I show chapter and verse, I mean, from professors' own words, things that are so strange as to be unbelievable, but yet they are unbelievable. But yet, because professors are teaching them, gullible students are assuming that this is, that, that, that bunk is truth. And so, yes, it's hard to have a conversation on campus today. Yeah, because I feel that people, the um, minority on campuses, um, which oftentimes is the right on many campuses, they're kind of shamed into silence. And you talk about uh, Philippians 4, 8, um, and I see it as, it's interesting because I see it as uh, many universities saying, hey, um, brethren, whatever the majority thinks is true, whatever we think is honorable, whatever we think is right and pure, whatever is lovely, like that's the right side. And if you don't believe the way we do, then you are bad and you should be ashamed and you should keep your opinions to yourself because you are not a good person. Yeah, you should be shunned. So here's and I mean, it's this it's it's this, it's but here's the thing. And, and you said and I've had on book tour, I've talked to. <laughs> An, an unbelievable number of students and parents. And what I say to them is, look, the people say, how are we going to protect our students? How are we going to help our students? Well, the reality is students are in a totally unequal space on campus. Professors make the grade. One university of Massachusetts um, student told me how she had just come from a class where it's where a question was, there was a question, and the correct answer is, was on this test, Israel is an apartheid state. So even if you don't follow, if you don't follow the dogma, your grade will actually go down. Yes. And even though it's just bunk, 
And so this needs to be, and the reason I spent all of my discretionary free time for 20 months, is this is something that adults need to deal with, the adults in the room, the taxpayers, the donors. Tomorrow I'm giving a talk to, uh, to a group of alums, for concerned alums, I'm not sure exactly what their title is, but who are, who are organizing across the country. To, to say to their universities, well, we're not donating, but don't just think we're not donating. We're not donating because we think what you're teaching is no longer fact-based. It's, it's ideologically based. And we need to get taxpayers into this. There's a, just sticking with the Jewish theme for a second, there's a professor at Rutgers, a full professor, wrote a book that says, among other Jews are, mine, are mining organs. They are harvesting organs oh. from Palestinians. And totally made up. No yeah. evidence, of course. Yeah, no evidence. None whatsoever. And yet she's partially subsidized by New Jersey. I mean, and her book won. By the way, the book with this is University Press and won the Best Book of the Year Award from the Women's Studies Association. Oh, my uh, the, the other things that she says in this book are so outlandish. But yet full professor this year also a visiting professor at the university of chicago mm, mm, so uh, this this started out as a 2500 word article mm-hmm. <laughs> but the more i got into it the more i thought this really needs to become a major agenda item states uh, uh, you know it's a threshing stone for um ideological indoctrination and so everybody needs to get involved otherwise we're in deep doo-doo you know, you talk uh, about uh, that student telling you that the an- the correct answer on the test was um, Israel is an apartheid state. This fact that um, Israel is a state-enforced national system of racial discrimination and has oppressive laws and segregation policy, blah, blah, blah. Okay, if not, not only that, not, not only <laughs> that, that they're telling the kids that, that that's the correct answer. Um, and if you write something else, it's wrong and your grades affected. But if the professor finds out you lean a certain way and at most universities, if they find out you lean right, then that also um, will affect, can affect your grade. Just because in the discussions, you'll be shut down or judged or the professor just plain won't agree with you. Older that that was the most fun part of many of my classes was when we were allowed to debate and have differing opinions. And now I would be I was just shamed the other day because I put up a question on uh, my Facebook about something that's controversial right now in the sports world and my kids are all athletes um, if people thought this was fair and I got shut down by family members who said um, you know called me icky names that I'm not and so I just deleted the post because it wasn't worth the um, the hassle or the judgment when I just really felt I was asking if other people thought it was fair and um, I didn't even give my opinions so if that's happening to me as an adult in uh, just on my social media when I've been on TV and radio for 25 years and I've got a following of people who like me and watch me and they're reacting that way, I can't imagine how um, how stifled a student feels in that environment. And you mentioned Northwestern and other um, universities. You're saying that they're allowing oh, yeah. professors to present conspiracy theories as fact. Oh, and I showed in the book. I mean, there are some books... That's the reason I wrote the book is because there's a lot of hand-waving going on. And I, at least in New Jersey, some people sent this book after I spoke 
um, because what I really try to do is say, okay, here's the chapter and verse, and and you know, here are the sources. There are books that you can't even understand unless you clue into you're clued into the conspiracy theory. Academic books published by places like like Duke University, um, Duke not Duke like Duke that I mentioned, Stanford University Press, other amazing universities. I mean, let me just read you one, uh, another book, another award-winning book written by another professor who says, and I can't remember this is by Duke or Stanford University Press, but it says, this is Professor Stephen Salado, who's being fed it all over the country. Um, He says, the Nazi Holocaust in Europe seems a direct antecedent to Israel's founding. There were plans from the outset of Zionism to rid the promised land of its indigenous population. So here's a guy who's a professor on the left who says that the Jews planned and carried out the Holocaust. And this is and it published in an academic book, and he's lauded. You Give see, me a break. And it, I, I thought it was really interesting that you say that they, the professors who uh, espouse this line of teaching, that they, instead of think, thinking they're conspiracy theorists, they, they think that they're just the brave t- truth tellers, that they're not afraid to face right. the world with their facts. Exactly, their facts. They may be false facts, but their facts. And if you question them, when I've read when he's been... Um, covered in in university newspapers. I mean, it is so fawning. It is so psychophantic. It's like they're covering, you know, Angela Davis or Stalin or someone else, you know, who were, you know, or Putin's press in Russia, you know, where you're not allowed to say anything negative. It's just... Remarkable, and this is what's passing for places of intellectual advancement. Yeah, you said that it's Heaven more like indoctrination than an open um, educational environment for discussion and learning. And that your book is a wake-up call because the system needs fixing. We've got a couple of minutes left. H- how are we going to fix it? You, so you mentioned money. You know that we just stop giving our money to the institutions. That, but also taxpayer money going to to um, institutions that are presenting these conspiracy theories as fact. So here's how to. So I give a number of different ways in the book of how I think we need to teach how it and how they need to be fact based because we don't even teach that anymore. I talked to one professor who said that she preferred theory to fact because fact theory is pure and facts are messy, but. Theories, 60% of all psychology experiments can't be replicated. Um, The overwhelming majority, the average economic reality outside of STEM, outside of science, real hard sciences, at universities. So we need to fix this. I've got a that I think is something I just wrote about outside of the book, which is I think we need to go to our states and say, you want to be the best state in the country? Do you want to track best and brightest people and have the greatest financial and economic growth in the country, well, just start a university that actually is a place of open inquiry because you will have people flocking to it. You don't know how many people, I can't, well, you do know, you don't know because I haven't talked, but I have talked to so many professors and students who would flee where they are to go to a university that included Chicago's tool economics, uh, Keynesians, even some Marxists who were willing to talk, but at least they, but not Marxists who wanted to shut down discussion. Right. And there used to be Marxists like that who were willing to get in the ring and argue. Now they just want to shut everybody else down. 
if you started a university like that in your state, you it would be the field of dreams, except there would be no end to the people who would come. <laughs> oh, man. Definitely uh, interesting. Uh, very interesting. Um, how do we uh, find the book and how do we find out uh, more about you and the other books you've written? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, basically anywhere where books are sold, uh, you know, good books are sold. Um, you know, uh, um, and um, I, 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 it's part of the Simon & Schuster catalog. Um, so the other place you can find me or find other articles that I've written and find out other books that I've written are um, at my website, Scott Shea. Two T's, C O T T S H A Y dot com, um, and I wrote a book in good faith, questioning religion and atheism. So I've tried to keep intellectually engaged myself. Love and, it. But this book right. is critical. ScottShea.com, and the book is Conspiracy You, a Case Study. Thank you so much, Scott. A pleasure to be with you, Angie. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.